Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Welcome to Sunny Talk Sports. I'm your host, Sunny Giuliano. Joining me tonight to talk about the NFL divisional round games and to pick the conference championship games is my trusty podcast partner in crime, Paul Clark. Paulie, good to have you on. Good to be back, Sonny. Good to be back. Got the championship games coming up Sunday. Can't wait. Obviously, the Super Bowl, you know, that's the number one Sunday of the year. But having the two conference championship games on the the one Sunday. And that's a that's a solid that's a solid warm up for the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a good it's a good seven and a half, eight hours of football that uh you definitely look forward to. I mean this is it. And four teams that are very, very deserving to be there. Absolutely. Um we finally caught two good playoff games last week. It took us seven games and we finally got a couple of good ones. I wanted to talk about the two Sunday games because um, one of them, the first one, Dallas-Green Bay, I think considering the stakes of the game and the two franchises and the finish, I'd say it's probably in the pantheon of great divisional round playoff games and maybe even non-Super Bowl playoff games ever. Yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic game. I I really thought Dallas had a bad game plan coming into the game. I, I thought you'd see a ton of Zeke Elliott, and, I mean, he really didn't get the ball that much. Also, I mean, you know, I thought they'd come out and Des Bryant would be a focus in the passing game, and he really didn't get involved till the second quarter. And uh, before Dallas knew it, it was 21-3. to It was just too much for them. I mean, they fought back to tie it, but it, it was just too much, and, and that last throw Aaron Rodgers made, I, I, I mean, you say it every week. You see it. <laughs> you hate him because of two times of the Bears. And that, that throw that he made to Jared Cook was only a throw he could make. I mean, it was incredible. Um, we'll get to that. I want to kind of go through that whole last sequence, the last few drives. Um, I agree with you. I didn't, I didn't like Dallas's game plan. Um, I thought that Elliott only getting 22 carries was ridiculous. I mean, if you're playing the Packers, you want to control time of possession. And, you know, falling into a 21-3 to hole didn't help. There, you know, there was a, a little sense of urgency that Dallas had to play with at that point. But, you know, that, you look at what Pittsburgh did with Le'Veon Bell getting him 30 carries, and he was the focal point of the whole offense. Green Bay couldn't stop Zeke Elliott. And to me, it just seemed like to get Dak settled in, which it took him a little time, but I thought he played a really nice second half. To get him settled in, you know, let Elliott get a few carries early. That'll open up the play action. 
and it just didn't seem like they did enough of it. He only had 11 carries in the first half. I, I didn't like what they did offensively. I thought Dak was kind of hampered because of that. But, um, you know, the fact that he was able to engineer a second-half comeback like that, I, I I know we we have touted Tony Romo on this podcast for years, but I think that second half kind of solidified that Dallas maybe made the right decision sticking with him. Yeah, I mean, he played a great second half, but, you know, would they have been in that hole if Romo had started? You don't know. This is true. I mean, you could make yeah, that you argument. Know, you know, I, I mean, they came out slow. He threw a terrible pick um, on a screen pass where he just kind of threw it and Micah Hyde read it right from the start. Um, he was high on a lot of throws early. He just looked – he didn't look really settled into the game really till it was 21-3, to and they started. he started hitting some throws to Des Bryant, and that's when it looked like he started settling down, and he, he definitely did play a very good second half, that's for sure. You know, but, you know, I, I thought they would come out and just pound Zeke Elliott and pound him and pound him and pound him and then hit him with some play-action bombs. And it just seemed to me like Dallas came out and, you know, played the game like they had to score 40 to win. But you you really don't want to get caught up in that play in Green Bay because you want to keep the ball away from Green Bay as much as possible. And it really didn't seem like that's what they were trying to do. It just seemed like they were trying to score as fast as they could. Right. Right, and they, they did win time of possession, but it was only by 14 seconds. I, I just didn't like what they did. I thought there was a lot of a, a lot of mismanagement. That that screen pass that that Dak threw the pick on was really predictable. I mean, like I knew. What, what's that? Yeah, it was very very predictable. I it just the game plan. I didn't like it, and you know, then you you claw back into the game and you're down three and you know, we have to talk about spike on that final Cowboys drive. Horrible, horrible play. How do you waste a down? I mean, you just, you you don't waste a down there. I mean, I would have rather had them call their timeout than waste a down. So, so Dak spiked it at the 40-yard line with 49 seconds left. And from there, they got a seven-yard completion on second down and then an incomplete pass on third down and then the field goal. So in that time, they took off 14 seconds. 14 seconds. And you leave Green Bay with two timeouts. So. So the spike is bad enough. I mean, you shouldn't have done that. You need to make sure that you get the last possession of the game, whether it's going to lead to a field goal or if you're going to punch it in with a touchdown, which that was another thing. I didn't think there was any sense of urgency offensively. It seemed like they were just playing for the field goal. And they had plenty of time to try to play for the touchdown, I thought. Sure. So, so on that third down, there was something like, I want to say, 44 seconds left. And you have a timeout. I don't know why you don't run it. Yeah. Run it, Run on third down, and then you at least, if you don't get it, if you don't get the three yards, which I, 
I can't see Zeke Elliott not getting three yards in that situation. Right. But if you don't, you're still you're still kicking a field goal to call timeout. and you're forcing them to use one of their timeouts. And if you do get it, you could either use that last timeout or run right up to the line and clock it again. Right. It. it yeah. I, I just. None of that made sense. I, and I, I, I'm glad that. I, I mean, I wouldn't say glad. Glad might not be the right word, but it it is kind of crazy that everyone in the moment kind of realized, wow, they shouldn't. That that was that was bad. That was real bad time mismanagement. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you you give the Packers the ball back with 35 seconds left and two timeouts, and. You have to know that Rodgers is going to move the ball down the field. I mean, when you were watching, didn't you have that feeling? Yeah, I mean, there was really no doubt that once Green Bay got the ball, I said, I said, well, I said, they're definitely going to have a chance at it because it's just it, it's what he does. You know, it's there it, it's, no doubt with that. Yeah, it's way he, too much time. Was, I mean... I mean, he said it after the game, which I, I thought was interesting, was the first thing he thought was that's too much time. Yeah. I mean, that's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> sure. And, and the guy is incredible, and he has every right to to talk candidly like that. He He's that confident. I mean, if a guy is confident enough to say we're going to run the table, he's obviously going to – to look at a situation and call it what it is and say that they left him too much time. Um, I mean, and the play of the game really on the drive was, I don't know how he held on to the ball when he got blindside sacked. I, I don't mean, get it. I, I, every I, other quarterback fumbles. I mean, I, I, I saw a fumble coming, and I thought to myself, well, Dallas is going to cause a quarterback fumble and get a chance to win this game. As good as Rodgers played, he's going to fumble, and that's how they're going to lose. And when he didn't fumble, he didn't even bobble the ball. I no, in one hand, he didn't. Yeah, that, he didn't tuck it away. It, it didn't. Nope. It didn't like slide around or bobble or bounce nope. out when he hit the ground. One handed it the whole time. Yep. I mean, and then had the presence to just call, look at the ref, and call a timeout right away. Yep. I mean, and then, incredible. And then you get the incomplete on second down and the thirty-six yarder to Jared Cook, who made an incredible catch on the sideline. Jared Cook had an incredible game, really. I mean, he was great. <laughs> he really he was had great. A great game. Yeah, he had a great game Sunday. So we had that one first, and then Pittsburgh, Kansas City. I mean, it was never going to live up to, to Green Bay, Dallas, but in its own way, and it's, you know, ugly, cold weather kind of game. It was a fun game. Um. And had some dramatics at the end. You picked Pittsburgh to to uh, win the AFC a couple weeks ago, and you know we'll go over the conference championship games in a second. Were you pleased with what you saw against Kansas City, or not pleased, or just indifferent? Well, <laughs> I was pleased for the fact of I I really thought they dominated the game. Um, I wasn't pleased with the fact of they didn't score touchdowns, but they ran the ball very well, and they went into Kansas City, and, I mean, 
I know they won by two, but if you watch the game, I mean, to me, they dominated it. I mean, Kansas City moved the ball on their first drive, but really they didn't move it again until the fourth quarter when on that last drive. And Pittsburgh moved it the whole game. They only punted once. And I thought Ben was average at best in the game. I think he'll be better. Great. I, I think he'll be better. Um, Le'Veon Bell was just phenomenal. Their offensive line was really good. Um, you know, I think if, you know, the question is if they're going to get Ladarius Green back this week at tight end, which will be a huge, huge, huge help for them offensively. He really opens things up down the middle of the field. And, uh, you know, I think you know, that will be better. I thought the road dog Jesse James had a pretty good game. Yeah, the road dog Jesse James did have a good game. But he's, he's not, not a bad tight end. No, he's not a he's not a bad tight end, but he's not gonna break nothing down the field. No. He's not gonna, I mean he's gonna get open, catch, maybe get five or ten after, maybe. Oh, Darius Green's more of a game changer to make big plays down the middle and you know, he he's a he's a bad matchup problem and and uh, you know, you gotta give Pittsburgh's defense credit. They they've been playing very well. I mean Ryan Chazier's a stud, and James Harrison just never seems to get old. And, you know, I don't know if you saw it, but he, he went right to the facility after they got back yeah. to work out at 5 in the morning. I mean, yeah. the, guy is, the guy is just a psycho. <laughs> he's hungry. Yeah, he's, he's, he's I don't know, he's not right. But he's got to give him credit because he could still play, that's for sure. Well, this weekend will be the test because they played Matt Moore in, in round one, and they played Alex Smith in round two. And now they get Brady. And we'll see if if the the improvement defensively was a, a product of one backup quarterback and one game manager, or if it's something that's really worthwhile. Well, I mean, if you look since, like, week eight, Pittsburgh – his defense has been very good. Yeah. And, you know, if if you also you could look at New England and say, you know, if you look at the quarterbacks they've played since, like, week nine, the best one's been Joe Flacco. I mean, it's, sure. been, it's been Matt Moore and Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Jared Goff. And the list is just, I mean, I saw it today, and I was like, wow, that's kind of a Brock Osweiler who and- – and you know when they played when they played Pittsburgh earlier in the year it was Landry Jones. It was it was Landry Jones, right? Better yeah. Out. I mean, and you know New England. This I mean, if you look at New England, the scary thing is they won last week, and you look and you're like, man, they played terrible, but they scored 34 points. Right. But they got a kick return. You know, they got some field position on picks and fumbles. <clears throat> so, I mean, I really thought Houston had the recipe to. I mean. I mean, Houston's defense caused a lot of havoc in that game. I, I really thought they played a hell of a game. And really, Osweiler made a really good throw in that game that could have been the difference, and Will Fuller dropped it. Yeah, Will I mean, Fuller dropped he, it. I mean, he – that was actually a really nice throw, and it should have been a touchdown. It turns out to be an incompletion, and it just was downhill from there. But Houston was in that game right till right to the end. Yeah, they played them tough. Um I think so. I, you know, you mentioned the kick return for a touchdown. I do think that Deion Lewis fully being back, that's huge for the Patriots. 
And yeah, I it think is, it's a big playmaker for him, that's for sure. And I think it's the same kind of problem for Pittsburgh that we expected Tyree Kill to pose for their defense last week. You know, get him in the backfield, you're going to run him, you're going to have him go out for, you know, running routes out of the backfield, you're going to split him out and put him in the slot. And, you know, that's just that's tough to manage. And they did a good job, Pittsburgh, you know, controlling Tyree Kill. He had no big plays. They, you know. No, no. I, but I thought they did a good job kind of shutting him and Travis Kelsey down. I mean, they had a few big plays, but for the most part, they were quiet. But I do think that Belichick will find better ways to use Deion Lewis than Andy Reid did with Tyree Kill. Uh, I would imagine, yeah. But even he, he doesn't have instant face or, you know, he doesn't have instant chat or snap face. So you Right, know. yeah. <laughs> Behind the times a little bit. <laughs> so it... It sounds like you're you're still leaning Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I, that's who I picked at the beginning. I, I mean, obviously they're an underdog, but I'm not going to change now. They they got me this far, and and uh, I, I think they definitely have a recipe to go into New England and win. I I don't disagree with you. I'm actually picking Pitt, Pittsburgh plus six. I think New England's going to win outright. I just think that might be a little too much. I think six might be too many points. Um, that, definitely. I mean, the the fun fact is the four teams we picked to go to the Super Bowl are still alive. Yeah, and we, we each picked two different ones. So, I mean, we could end up splitting this either way, AFC and NFC, you know, or we could, you know, one of us could sweep it. And right now we're we're both five and three. And the picks. So, we're both picking Pittsburgh. I'll be interested in seeing what we do with Green Bay Atlanta. Atlanta's favored by five. I'm kind of surprised that it opened, that it's that high. I got to be honest with you, I'm not. I mean, (laughs) I I know Rodgers has been great. They're very banged up. here's Here's the reason why, though. Nobody, I mean, nobody's been on Atlanta all year. Everybody kind of thought, like, oh, they're all offense. Their their defense isn't very good. You know, they're not gonna, they're not built for postseason success. This and that. And Green Bay is a public team. I mean, yeah. everybody loves the Packers. Everybody loves Rodgers. I was just surprised to see it at five. And that's not to say that, you know, Atlanta hasn't had a great season and that they're not really good. Um, my surprise with that was just more a reflection on what I I thought, how I thought the public would would impact a line. Yeah. Um, i tell you what, Atlanta impresses me more and more every week. Uh, their running game... They got two studs playing running back, and uh, I really like Atlanta. I really do. I think they got a really good team. Well, they're they were fifth in the league in rush yards per game during the regular season, and I think if if that Dallas game taught you anything, they should be trying to establish us right away. 
yeah, I, I think I think they're going to come out and and put up a heavy dose of uh, Devontae Freeman and Kevin Coleman, who very underrated player, and they're both great pass catchers out of the backfield. You know, and then you got the Gabriel and Sanu and Julio Jones. I mean, this Green Bay defense, their secondaries just decimated with injuries. I mean, <laughs> I know Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal, but he, he's going to have to be Houdini to win this one. Are we sure he's not, though? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. But, <laughs> because because I mean, it, he, it seems like every week he, he continues to to pull a rabbit out of a hat and – I mean, you're looking at you're looking at this week, and Jordy Nelson's very doubtful. Devontae Adams now is also in question. I mean, that's just two best receivers. I mean, you're just getting to you know slim pickings for for Green Bay's weapons. So I, I don't know. I, I just think he's going to be really behind the eight ball in this game. So you're taking Atlanta minus five. Yeah. I'm taking Atlanta. Actually, I think they're going to win by double digits. Okay, I'm taking Green Bay, um, and I'll stick with them to win outright. I I told you, and I've said it every week, and it's hardly informative or groundbreaking analysis, but Aaron Rodgers said that they're going to run the table. <laughs> and I believe him. And, you know, you say the more and more you watch – Atlanta, the more you're impressed. I feel like if he gets to the Super Bowl, like, how do I not just roll with it and say Green Bay is going to beat New England or Pittsburgh, whoever it is? Do you feel like Matt Ryan gets the credit he deserves for the year he's had this year? Absolutely not. Definitely not. And and I know there was a time on this podcast where we talked about him being one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league, and this was five years before he was the presumed MVP of the league. I mean, I, I just think he's been phenomenal. I mean, what they did to that Seattle defense last week, I mean, that 99-yard drive before halftime was just, that was incredible. I mean, he's just, he's having a phenomenal season. No, I mean, we've talked about it here. that It's one of the, the most efficient and potent offenses in in league history. I mean, their their score percentage this year was the same level as New England's in 2007. Like this is a all-time elite offense. There's no there's no denying that. I you know, I think this game will be really close. Just because I I don't see a scenario as banged up as as Green Bay is on, you know, at receiver and everywhere. I just don't see a scenario where they're not putting points on the board. <laughs> I think it could be a game that Atlanta wins and it, it just comes down to them getting the ball last. I do think they'll be able to move the ball on Green Bay. You know, once, like we talked about before, once Dak settled in last week, he was picking their defense apart and they should be able to run the ball on them. And, you know, that's the key. Establish the run, and if they could get any kind of pressure on Rodgers, you know, maybe then their offense their offense does stall. You know, Dallas was only getting pressure on Rodgers or making contact with him when they were 
sending extra guys on a blitz. If Atlanta could do that without having to send too many guys and, you know, you keep Rodgers from getting comfortable and, you know, getting outside the pocket and buying time for his receivers, then it could be totally different. And it's entirely possible that that could happen. But I'm just going to take the guy's word. (laughs) So we have one different this week. We're tied five and three each. So going into the Super Bowl, We'll, uh, one of us will have the lead. Interesting note, the, the team with the better quarterback is 8-0 in the playoffs this year. I mean, it's... Straight up and against the spread. And let's face it, we got four, four top-notch quarterbacks playing this weekend. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it should be four Hall of Famers. We should, you know, three the three top MVP candidates. Ben's a two-time Super Bowl champion. You know, a lot of Super Bowl MVPs and regular season MVPs in this group. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to two very exciting games on on uh, Sunday. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, so, I told I told you off the pod last week. I want to do I want to do some kind of ranking the Super Bowls of the 21st century, just so we could go back and kind of talk about some of the fun ones. That on top of just a regular Super Bowl preview. You cool with that still? I'm cool with that still. But we'll have to find some time to squeeze that in next week or early the week before the Super Bowl. Before we go, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you saw the All-Star starters, NBA. What do you think of Westbrook not making the starters? I mean, just a travesty. I mean, I have no idea how that happens. I I don't get it. I mean, it's really, it's disturbing. I mean, the guy's averaging a triple-double. A 30, 10, and 10 triple-double. It's not like like he's, like, at 16 points a game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not right. I mean, and, you know, for him not to be starting, if I was him, I wouldn't even go. (laughs) Boycott the game? Yeah, I wouldn't even go if I was him. Or just go and literally shoot every time you get your your hands on the ball. Which he might do anyway. He's kind of done that the last two years. Yeah. I I don't get it. Um, You know, I I enjoy the work of Stephen Curry. He's having a really good season. Statistically, it's it's close to on par with his first MVP season, and I have no idea why he's starting in the All-Star team. I mean, it's the fact that Russell Westbrook isn't starting in the All-Star game is I mean, is that a fan vote? Who starts? They change it. So it, it's 50% fan vote, 
25% player vote, 25% media. Wow. And I haven't seen the voting breakdown yet for the Western Conference. I saw it for the East. I haven't seen it for the West. I don't I don't get where it went wrong. I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I don't really understand it either. It's it's really a shame. It really is. Did you did you see the entire vote or no? I didn't. No. I didn't agree with the Eastern Conference either. The starters. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. It, it was Isaiah Thomas should have made it over Kyrie starting. Yeah, it, it was Kyrie and De, and DeRozan, and I w- I would pick Isaiah and Kyle Lowry. Those would have been my two backcourt picks, and I'm stepping all over a column I'm writing for Monday. So, <laughs> if anybody is listening and and intrigued by my thoughts on the All Star Game, um. Make sure you look out for that column on Monday. But yeah, I I don't know how Isaiah isn't starting. I mean, it's not a travesty along the lines of Westbrook not starting, but I mean, he's five nine and averaging twenty nine points a game. And he's electrifying that that kid. He's, he's incredible. Really he's incredible. Hey, what he's doing is per thirty six minutes more impressive than anything Iverson ever did. I mean, he's a scoring machine. And, like, time and time again, just killing teams in the fourth quarter. Yes. Like, he's a killer. Yep. Yep. That's for sure. He's very good. I mean, I I don't know. But, I mean, Westbrook not starting is just, I don't know. No, it's not. It's not right. Interested to see uh, the conversation between him and Durant at the All-Star game, if there's any. I wonder, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, if you put him, it'd be fun to see, like, a a Curry, Westbrook, Harden, Durant, Draymond lineup of, like, what it is now and what it could have been. Right. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's going to... It's going to be an interesting couple weeks, and I look forward to when Durant goes back to to Oklahoma City because nothing has been done to make anyone think that, like, oh, things have been smoothed over, we could let this go. Like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of venom from that Slater crowd. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of venom, and I think you're going to see one of the games in OKC where Westbrook just single-handedly wins the game for them. Entirely possible. Where he just has one of them crazy nights where he's unstoppable. You know, he has, like, 43... 12 and 10. You know what I mean? Where it's just. Oh. He does that frequently. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it seems like an every other night thing. Um, 
Who would your MVP be right now, him or Harden? I would have to go with him. I mean, Harden's not far behind, that's for sure. He's having an incredible year, but to be averaging a triple-double at the break is, I mean, it's amazing. It really is. I mean, I would have to go with him. I I, I think Harden's playing phenomenal, obviously, but I, I give a slight edge to Westbrook. This is really shaping up to be one of the the sneaky good MVP races ever. Because we're going to have Westbrook and Harden and their numbers are going to be, you know, otherworldly and, and stuff that we couldn't have expected. And you have Durant, who plays for the team that will have the most wins. And it's going to be his most efficient year scoring ever. I mean, he's yeah, and and it's only going to get easier once once he gets more settled in. I mean, not trying to bring up bad things for you, but that first half against the Cavs Monday night was the most amazing offense I've ever seen an NBA team play. Oh yeah, and it it was something I fully expected. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't have high hopes for that game. I, I knew, you know, Cleveland on the back end of a road trip. And they were, they were walking into a buzzsaw that night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's incredible. Um, you know, the firepower that they display sometimes, it, it's just unlike anything that we've ever seen in the NBA. And, and the way they move the ball is just... Yeah, for, for all the worries that people had of, oh, you know, they only have one ball out there, like... They're they're on pace to to break or come very close to the NBA record for team assists per game. Yeah, I mean, like it seems like every night I watch them, it's like, oh, Golden State's got 24 field goals and 18 assists or 19 assists, you know? Yeah. Like, holy cow. No, they're, I mean, they, they're right around 30 per game, which... I mean, and people say, like, oh, sure, it's easy for Steve Kerr, but you got to give him a lot of credit to have for you know he's got his team moving the ball like that with that many egos on the floor. Yeah, no, he's done a great job, and I think I think the the way that these guys have adapted to each other, um, there's a lot to be said of that because it was a very specific formula that they followed last year, and adding a guy like Durant could upset that in a major way, but they've just found a way to to make everything they did way more potent. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think more than anybody, Steph has probably sacrificed the most. Yeah, I agree. And you could see that, you could see that a bit in his numbers. I mean, his shooting percentages aren't as high, and I think a lot of that, probably comes from not feeling the freedom to just fire whenever he, he yeah, wants. Right. Yes. Um but even still his, his percentages are are still damn good. And yeah. and you know, recently he has been playing better. I, I like I said, yeah. I think I think they're just going to get more comfortable with each other. It it is weird though that a few times 
they've sputtered in fourth quarters. It's like they're almost not sure who should shoot. It it does kind of feel a little like LeBron and Wade that first Miami year. Like it's like they start passing too much almost. Yeah, like it. Playing. Right. Like the fourth quarter against Memphis when they blew the big lead, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what the heck is going on here?" Like it was right. like they it was like they got totally uncomfortable playing, and it was it was weird to watch. But uh, Monday night watching that first half, I was like, "Wow, this is this is incredible." I mean, that was probably that was definitely the best I've seen Steph play this year. Yeah, they could they could blitz you right away and knock you out within the first couple minutes. I mean, 78 points and a half on Cleveland is very impressive. Yeah. Um, before we go, I have one request. Yeah. Tomorrow, we, we get a new president in the United States. We do. Once upon a time, you would occasionally treat us to a Barack Obama impression. And I think since since tomorrow he's officially no longer our our president, you you should treat us one last time. Oh boy, you put me on the spot here for the Barack impression, huh? <laughs> well, well, how about this? If if you don't feel comfortable, if you want a week to master it, I'll give you <laughs> I'll give you a week. But when we do, when we rank the Super Bowls. I want when I introduce you. I want Obama. Okay, I I could uh, I, I I can think I could work on that and and uh, get it ready for for next week. You kind of put me on the spot, so you know, I don't want to mess it up. I hit you good with a Barack impression the first time when he was doing the tourney with with uh, Andy Katz, and uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. It's incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's. It's not quite Dusty Rhodes because I really think if you like put a side by side of you talking with Dusty Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes like just a, an audio clip, I think you could probably get like fifty percent of the people to listen to it to think that like you were Dusty Rhodes and he was somebody in, impersonating Dusty Rhodes, but so maybe next week I could come with Barack and then I'll come back with a Dusty to. That, that'd talk be about, talk about a different Super Bowl. I think that'd be great. I we, think that'd be could, perfect. It could be like our Frank Kelly segment of the podcast. Yeah, we really could. And you know what? If you wanna, if you wanna freestyle into some coming to America, <laughs> because once upon a time you you were very good at that. I haven't heard you do that one quite as recently, but that used to be your staple. Yeah, that was my staple when I was young. Um, pretty good at the Dusty. Um, the Barack, I don't know if I'm real comfortable with the Barack, so, you know, I'm not really up to par, but, you know, I could give it a shot. Well, I'm just more going like to... A spur of a, it's more of a spur-of-the-moment thing with Barack, where, like, that night I just did it, and you were like, holy cow, that's really good. <laughs> well, next week I'm just going to introduce you as Barack Obama. I'm just going... And... Maybe even in like the the link bio, I'm going to say that yeah, I'm President I'm Obama. interviewing Barack Obama. Maybe I'll do that. Like, 
Bowie has a you know first week off from the job. He decided to join the podcast. To come on my podcast, yeah. But you have a week. You have a week to perfect it. Okay. All right, Paul Clark. Thank you very much. It's been fun. We'll uh, we'll be texting over the weekend about these games. Should be a really good weekend. Um, big thank you to Game Eight for being my home for all my NFL writing and podcasts for the entire month of January and the beginning of February. Um, it's been fun. I'm enjoying this, Polly. We will uh, talk to you and President Obama next week. Yeah, don't forget Dusty. He'll be here, too. And Dusty, yep. Dusty Rhodes, too. The American dream. All right. Have a, good, have a good night. All right, you too. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.